Research runs deep into the heart of any central bank. It is an essential part of who we are and what we do. It informs the monetary policy process, deepens our understanding of the operation of financial markets, helps us understand the life of banknotes and more. But more than that, the way we do research matters. Our people are encouraged to publish the findings of their research in research discussion papers on a wide range of issues to stimulate comment and discussion. We also run annual workshops and conferences, have a program of internal seminars, and host visitors to foster interaction between academics, central bankers, and other economic practitioners on topical policy issues. In this podcast, we're going to find out more about why research is so important, what our researchers are focusing on, and how they go about it. Our guests today are Lucy Ellis, who is the Assistant Governor responsible for economics here at the bank, Head of Economic Research, John Simon, Senior Research Manager, Anthony Prazel, and Senior Analyst, Nalini Agarwal. To set the scene, I have a question for you, Nalini. Why pursue economic research at a central bank? It's a big question, but taking a step back, what drew you to do research at the Reserve Bank? I think it's the opportunity to do policy relevant research. So we use a lot of novel and exciting data and we use cutting edge techniques to answer really important questions. So why does the economy function this way? And why does monetary policy impact businesses and households? All of this is exciting to me because I get to think about these questions and these ideas in a really deep and a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, I combine data and theory and allows us to contribute to the knowledge and generate new new ideas. Thanks, Nalini. I wanted to build on this and dig under the hood to really look at this from first principles. So Lucy, why is research such a fundamental activity at a central bank? Because neither we nor anybody else knows all there is to know about how the economy works. There's always something new to learn, and particularly so in recent times where we've been faced with a 100-year event, such as the pandemic, where we've been faced with a policy response that had never been tried before, such as lockdowns. But even outside of those extraordinary times, there is always evolution in the way the economy works. There's always structural change. And so we need to keep learning about how the economy works. And in order to do that, some of the things we do are more shorter term analysis. But some some of the the ways we need to learn about the economy take in-depth long-term inquiry and they take in-depth long-term acquisition of new analytical techniques. Some of that work can be done as part of the the more regular day-to-day monthly cycle of briefing the board and uh, engaging with the public, but often it needs clear space to complete that longer-term deep work. What to you makes for good research? I'm looking for research that's salient Uh, to our mandate. I'm looking for research that is uh, easy to apply uh, and explain. And I'm looking for something that tells me something we didn't already know. Uh, And and that's where the ability to bring in different techniques and more in-depth work uh, can be particularly valuable. So Lucy, perhaps you could tell us exactly how research helps support the bank's mandate. It happens in a number of different ways, but in particular, I think deeper research helps us derive a better understanding of how our tools work, uh, various policy tools and how those tools affect the economy and how they affect particular sectors. Uh, It gives us clear space to do analysis of how different 
approaches to policy and different policy options might work. This is particularly relevant also for our financial stability mandate. And of course, we have many other mandates too, where the, the issuer of banknotes. And so some of the research we've published in recent years includes work on the life cycle and longevity of banknotes. And that's not something you can kind of whip up in a day or two. You need to do a serious research project on it. Another thing that's really important is to actually be able to uh, keep tabs on what other researchers in our field are doing, uh, whether that's our colleagues in other central banks, in international organisations or in academia. And so it's really important for us to engage with and learn from uh, those other researchers. So clearly research is a really necessary part of the work of a central bank, but I'd like to understand more about how the research happens. John, you head the department where much of this deep thinking occurs. Could you perhaps explain more about what your team does? From the outside, you might think that all the research department does is publish research papers, um, but we're very much like an iceberg. Uh, what you see on the surface is only a small fraction of what we're actually doing. So to give you some examples of the kind of stuff we do, uh, we organise an annual conference, uh, we host academic roundtables, uh, we have seminar series where we get uh, presenters from outside to present to staff at the bank. We also go out and present uh, our work uh, to universities and other forums. Uh, we also do a lot of work internally, uh, which is uh, where we're writing notes that don't necessarily get published. Um, and we're also providing comments on the work of others within the bank. We are also trying to provide a, a model for how you can do research well in order to promote that culture of analytical excellence within the Reserve Bank. So, for example, we can provide commentary on the way people uh, do their analysis. Um, we also try to live that and demonstrate that ourselves. Um, and perhaps even more importantly, what we're really trying to do is get a diversity of ideas uh, flowing through the bank. So we organise conferences and seminars uh, as a way of getting people from outside the institution to come in and share those ideas. And hopefully that can lead to an ongoing, really rich conversation about the ideas, what's going on in the world um, and the way different people are approaching that. Building on this a bit, Anthony, what would you say is a typical day for a research economist? I guess there really is no typical day uh, for a research economist at the bank, um, you know, Working on our long-term research projects is obviously a key output for a research economist and takes up you know, most of our time, but but there are often days or even weeks uh, when all our time is taken up by other priorities. Uh, so we, we host seminars where we get academics to come and present their cutting-edge research to us, uh, and, and we attend academic conferences all over the world to both present our own research and receive external feedback and, and to learn from the research of others. And we then use what we've learned to help the work of others inside the bank. So we, we hold work in progress seminars and brainstorming sessions to ensure that people across the bank are, are using the most appropriate methods and data to answer all of our important policy questions. Um, and, and it's expected that all staff within the bank kind of circulate their work to others for comment before it's all finalized. And actually a big part of my job in particular is just ensuring that we're answering the right questions in the in the right way, which means I'm regularly in contact with the human resources and information technology areas of the bank to ensure that you know we have the we have the right people and the right technology to to keep up with the cutting edge of research. So it's not just about monetary policy though, is it? It's actually broader than that. Is that the case? You might think yes, we're at the central bank, uh, all we're doing is monetary policy, but 
I guess there's there's two aspects to that. One, we're a public institution, and so we have a responsibility to contribute to kind of general knowledge about the Australian economy. Uh, but the other aspect is that monetary policy, in order to do that well, you really do need to understand almost everything that's going on. Uh, so, for example, uh, there are interactions between monetary policy and fiscal policy. So when we raise interest rates, this has consequences for interest rates on government bonds, government spending, um, and monetary and fiscal policy very much are working together. Uh, and so we need to be able to anticipate that and understand that we're not operating in a vacuum. You actually have a number of research priorities, and obviously monetary policy is one of them, but perhaps if you could talk to some of the others. So at these times, uh, post-COVID, one of them is monitoring the effects of COVID on the economy. Now, this is more than just looking at what's happening today, looking at what's going on with shutdowns or growth today. It's very much thinking about what are the longer term consequences of COVID. When you have um, an event like the COVID pandemic, it's inevitable that many things are going to change as a consequence. I mean, we're doing things today that we never thought we'd be doing uh, perhaps two, three years ago. Uh, you know, Zoom, conversations, meetings uh, are all over the place. And people were thinking it would take 10 years before video conferencing took off. It took off in two weeks, perhaps. Uh, and the consequences of that for productivity, for remote working uh, were really large. And so uh, that is going to have an ongoing effect on perhaps the way we do work, uh, what people's preferences are over where they live. So we see changes in the housing market as lots of people move to regional areas. Uh, we see some people managing to work from anywhere in organisations. But we also have other effects, uh, which is, for example, uh, the experience of lockdowns uh, affected the what people could do. Uh, they couldn't consume services anymore. They couldn't go out to restaurants. They were buying all their food in. And that could well have long-term effects uh, on what people consume and how they do it. And I think one of the other priorities is the household sector and financial stability, a topic of ongoing interest in Australia. Could you talk to that one? Obviously, uh, an Australian obsession is housing and house prices. And uh, indeed, the commentary about uh, monetary policy changes uh, is always about, you know, what's going to happen to mortgage payments, what's happening to house prices. And so it's very important that we understand that. But I perhaps want to emphasise that uh, that's not the only channel through which we have an effect on the economy. Obviously, we need to understand that, and it's a very important effect. Um, and one of the reasons for that is it has consequences for financial stability. Uh, so this isn't really what's happening to the average. This is really what's happening to the tails, what's happening to um, people who might have borrowed just a little bit too much rather than what's happening to the average. Coming back to Anthony and Nalini to hear about some of the specific research projects that are happening in some detail. I understand that you recently completed some extensive research that focused on adding a banking sector to Martin, the RBA's macroeconomic model. I believe effectively it adds a feedback loop between the banking sector and the rest of the economy to see how they influence each other during a downturn. Why did you feel in particular that this research was important? At a very high level, um, I guess the, the lack of financial sectors in, in macroeconomic models prior to the global financial crisis was actually kind of a source of embarrassment for the profession. Um, I, I guess on one hand, it's kind of understandable. Most of our macroeconomic models are designed to understand what happens in the economy most of the time. Uh, and, and thankfully, financial crises just don't happen that often. Yeah. Uh, but, but given how costly they are when they do happen, it, 
I think the profession realized it is worth devoting more resources than we historically have to kind of understanding how these crises manifest and how both kind of monetary and more recently macroprudential policies can like, reduce the frequency of them happening and the damage that they do when mm-hmm. they do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that's exactly what this research project tries to do. So the existing Martin model already has a rich understanding of how the economy develops over time in response to all the unexpected stuff that happens in the economy. And so what we really wanted to do was just to understand how much the Australian banking sector might amplify um, sufficiently large shocks to the economy uh, by you know, reducing their supply of credit to the economy precisely when the economy is already in a really bad state. And Nalini, you're currently working on some rather topical research looking at wages microdata from the ATO's single-touch payroll. Can you tell us more about this research? Yeah, absolutely. So an important new source of data that we have now access to is single-touch payroll, or STP. So what STP is, it's a new reporting system in Australia that captures data on pay slips of virtually every employee in Australia. So whenever a firm runs its payroll... Um, the data on how much each of its staff were paid, including wages, overtime, bonuses, superannuation, are all sent to the Australian Taxation Office. Um, the ATO, they collect this data, but we get access to it in a de-identified and confidential way, and we access it remotely through the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And just to give you an idea of how large this data set is, we get access to about more than 1 billion data points since 2020. And what's really epic about this data source is that it's available in close to real time. So using this new data source, uh, my colleague James Bishop and I have developed an experimental measure of labour cost growth, or what we refer to as as compositionally adjusted average earnings from SDP, which is actually quite a mouthful. But very useful by the sounds of it. Um, So what are we actually hoping to learn from this research? Um, So as the name suggests, what James and I are hoping to learn um, is how average earnings in Australia have tracked over time in a timely measure. So this reflects our broader research priority of monitoring the effects of COVID-19 on the economy. What have you actually discovered based on the research? It's experimental, but what we've um, tentatively concluded is that average earnings per job um, is rising by around or slightly above pre-pandemic rates. Um, And we're hoping that it provides a reasonable signal that allows us to, you know, add to the suit of resources used by the bank to assess labour cost pressures in the economy. The research department provides a very important function in supporting the rest of the bank. John, could you perhaps talk to that point a bit? Yeah, I suppose this is, going back to the iceberg analogy, a lot of what we do um, is um, even more than the direct stuff we do, that is doing research or helping people with their notes, providing commentary on their research, is as much about the culture and the way we do things. Because I think when you're doing research, it's very hard to know, have I got this right? But you can have confidence if you've gone through the right process. If you've established a robust process whereby you make sure you get comments on it, you expose it to scrutiny, you engage in discussions with people outside and inside uh, the bank, that way you make sure that you've got you know, the widest range of views, um, you can find flaws in your initial draft research and you can make it better. And a lot of what we're trying to do is establish a pattern for how you do research so that you can have confidence in the results. Um, And this is um, really part of the bank's core values of intelligent inquiry and analytical excellence is the way we do it uh, is uh, just as important as what we're doing. 
And and that's internally working with the rest of the bank, but also collaboration outside of the bank is important for research. Can you talk to that? Absolutely. Um, I think we are a, a conduit or we are a, a channel between uh, the academic community, mostly outside the bank, um, and uh, the researchers inside the bank. Uh, and if we were just talking within the bank, there's a danger that we would be talking to ourselves and there's a danger that you might end up uh, with a bit of groupthink. But by going out and talking to the wider academic community, uh, we can get those perspectives um, and make sure that that there isn't something that we have missed uh, by getting those diversity of views. It also means that uh, we can keep up with what's happening on in the general economics community uh, because there's only so many papers you can read. Uh, and if you're talking to other people, they can give you a summary, they can expose you to those ideas. Work wouldn't happen without collaboration. Um, yeah, as, as I mentioned before, we thankfully hadn't had a banking crisis in Australia for decades because they thankfully don't happen that often. Uh, but with no recent experience on which to base our understanding, um, we kind of had to rely on the work of others and and the knowledge of others to to actually try and understand how the banking system uh, might amplify downturns in Australia. And, and so our approach is actually based off the banking sector models that are constructed by our domestic markets department and financial stability department. And they use things like liaison information and data collected from APRA, which is collected from the banks themselves to kind of construct a best guess of how large downturns could lead to loan losses and how banks might respond to that. I'm also involved in another project to understand how people form expectations for the future and what this means for how we should set monetary policy. Mm -hmm. um, and for that project, uh, I and another RBA colleague have teamed up with Chris Gibbs, who's an expert in understanding expectation formation in macroeconomic models um, and is a senior lecturer at the University of Sydney. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I guess collaborations pivotal to ensuring we utilize both all the expertise we have across the bank and the expertise of our colleagues in in academia uh, but but yeah i guess i guess this kind of direct collaboration is really only the the tip of the collaboration iceberg so to speak um is the whole the whole reason we present our work at universities and conferences why we circulate our work for external comment before it becomes an rdp and why we publish our code with RDPs is so people who aren't directly part of the work can contest our ideas. Um, so for example, with the with our project with the Martin model, we really want people to to run the Martin model um, mm -hmm. with our banking sector in it. And, and we want them to see how it works. We want them to run their own scenarios. We want them to test their own theories. And you know, if anything we haven't done doesn't pass muster, we, we want them to let us know. So that sounds very interesting and an exciting time yeah. to be doing research. Would that be the case? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, what is the, the Chinese proverb or curse? May you live in interesting times. Yes. These are really interesting times. Yes. Yes. And uh, I think you can kind of get a bit stale when everything's moving along smoothly uh, and there's no real shocks happening to the economy. Uh, whereas, and what we've got now is nothing like that. Yeah. And that means there are just so many questions that we don't have the answers to. So I think this is a really exciting time uh, if you happen to be a researcher, because there's no shortage of questions. What mm. we need is more people doing that research to give us the answers. So there we have it. It's pretty clear why research is not just something we do as a central bank, but a core part of who we are as an organisation. 
It supports all facets of the bank's mandate and our responsibility to support the public good. Thank you for listening.